Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just like that, the second hour is here for the Tuesday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Dad's applauding. You know what I'm applauding right now, Hutton? We look terrific today. <laughs> I mean, these colors just really... I, you know, there are colors that clash and colors that... I mean, I I, I want to watch these two shirts. Oh, it's beautiful. Toss around in a washing machine together <laughs> is what I want to watch right now. These colors I just thought, blend beautifully. I thought you were uh, applauding the U.S. Women's National Team performance for, for advancing I, I in was the not, World Before Cup. we get to that, though, Hutton did send me a text this morning that said, I'm in a salmon shirt today. Is that what which you would call is a, this? It, it, yeah, it's a perfect description of that shirt. I'm in a salmon shirt today, which is good because I, too, have a couple of salmon-adjacent shirts. Right. And it would look very odd if we were both in different shades of salmon well, the la- on the show at the same time. And Hutton, what was my one-word response when you said, I'm in Beautiful. a salmon shirt today? Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Which cracked me up, yeah. Beautiful. And it, and it is. And my shirt's beautiful last as well. Time I, last it time I really wore this, I feel well like together. you had a similar... With the lights, it's uh, today it was the similar. first day when you said salmon shirt. I, I legitimately thought I'm going to come up with something that will blend well next to Hutton. That's a, a, a pastel type shade <laughs> that will offset but also blend nicely together with the salmon shirt that Hutton's wearing. Thank you, Chad. And I did just that. So you're welcome. Everyone who's watching right now, you're welcome, Chad. I, I, the more and more I look at the, the Angels here at the trade deadline, which is coming up in two hours, not dealing. Otani, the more and more I like it. It, it, it's in, it's part because they're, they're buying, like you mentioned earlier, they're buying on what they have to, to work with, which is two great players, including Mike Trout, who's supposed to be back by the middle of this month, but they're also trying to have Otani buy in for the future. If, if winning is really at the top priority and you want in on the bidding war, well, you wouldn't deal him if you're trying to keep him and you want to prove that you're also about winning. Now, you believe what you want to believe in that aspect. but all, and, and if you don't trade him and you don't make the playoffs and you, he walks uh, in free agency, that's, that's also uh, on the Angels, too. That will go down as a bad decision. But, but I think historically, they could also be trading Babe Ruth. And the Red Sox, 103 years ago, did just that. And then that turned into the house that Ruth built, the great Bambino, and everything else that was involved there. I I think from a historical stance, trading him and then Otani continuing on this path and winning World Series and becoming as dominant, if not surpassing, what Babe Ruth meant to Major League Baseball. And he's right there as the dual player on the mound and, and and at the plate and in the outfield, to me, that's also a fear I would have. We can't be 1920 Boston Red Sox and trade away the greatest player that we've seen play the sport. And in this case, the Angels aren't doing that. And I, the more I think about that, 
the more I accept the fact that if I'm them, well, if we don't make it, at least we try to go for it. And there's no shame in that, even if we lose out on a wild card spot. Well, well said. He may be better than Babe Ruth. He's certainly a better pitcher than Babe Ruth ever was. There's no doubt about it. So, look, it's it's tough to compare. But that's very extreme That's eras. his comparison in every facet. Yeah. And you don't want to be the team that trades him away. I, I, yeah. I now mean, that follows you. Y- yeah. Look, it, if he chooses to about, leave, that's his choice. It's all about they know the player and the person better than any other team out there. So it's it's a big gambit by and the he Angels. Chose them originally. Yes, but in doing this, I do believe I believe they believe, and I'm talking about the Angels, that if they show a commitment to winning a World Series then they're going to have a legitimate chance at re-signing Otani. And that's why they're doing that. That's why they're loading up. Not only do they decide we're not going to be a seller of Otani, we're going to be a buyer of everything we can get. Randall Gearchuk, uh, CJ Crone, they're going after players. They've, they've bolstered their lineup. They've bolstered their bullpen. They're going after players to try to show Otani that they mean business in the knowledge that they believe they're going to get a fair shot at re-signing him. That's how I view this. Now, I've said it before, and I'll reiterate, if if they do all of this and don't make the playoffs and Otani signs somewhere else, it's going to be looked in hindsight as one of the dumbest moves ever. But I appreciate the ballsiness of it. I appreciate that they're saying, we're not going to play with scared money. We're going to go for it. We paid a lot to get this guy. We've paid a lot when he's here. We're willing to pay more to keep this not just generational talent. I mean, all-time great player. He's going to be on the list of all-time best to ever play the game of baseball. We're going to go all in with this guy, and we're going to go all in around him, and we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to show him. There are currently five games above 500. I think they're now two and a half out of the, of, final, of spot. the final, the third wild card spot. So they got a chance here. And you look at the lineup and think about Otani and then Trout eventually coming back. I mean, you got to kind of sit and ask the question, if you're them, why not us? And ride the momentum. Why not us as a World Series team? And at worst, you're missing on the playoffs, Otani's leaving, but you're putting butts in seats for the remainder of of this season, and he's going for the AL home run record. And they went for it. You know, you can always... and that's it too. I I do think there is a... There's a message there. There's a certain sense of, you know, ownership, the GM... Everyone in the organization can kind of rest well at night saying, well, we took a shot and it didn't work out, and now we got to rethink everything, but at least we took that shot as opposed to just saying, guys, he's going to go to the Yankees or the Cubs or someone else. We got no shot at landing this guy. Let's give up. Let's trade him. Let's restart. Let's get prospects. I I can appreciate that part of the thinking behind it. I'm also just here to say that it's going to look really bad, and we're going to look really terribly upon this decision in hindsight if they don't even make the playoffs. But they look like a team right now that's going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And I wouldn't they certainly be, look that way. I yeah. wouldn't want to be the team that trades Otani to the Yankees. No, you're right. And, and that's what was being set up. We weren't discussing the Angels actually being in the mix to retain him monetarily, but also by winning him over with what they could do with all the discussion at the trade deadline for a couple of months now with Otani's contract. Chad, uh, the celebration... Uh, early this morning, what was it, 3 a.m., 2 a.m. here locally, uh, when the U- U.S. women's national team uh, took on Portugal. And if not for the width of a goalpost, they would be 
sent packing from the from the what, World Cup. Instead, they advanced to the knockout round uh, based on a scoreless draw against Portugal, and the celebrations afterwards irked you. It irked me. It, it irked Carly Lloyd, which is more important. She's someone Many. who's won yeah. a World Cup for her country and, and has played the sport and knows better than I. And I, it, I got worked up seeing it, and then hearing her reiterate exactly what I was thinking really compounded my anger about the scene after the match uh, early this morning. I also want to state, I stand by everything I've said in every rant about this. I stand by every point I made in a debate with Dan Z on this. I'm rooting for the Americans to win. Don't take this as Chad's out on the U.S. and the women's national team and he hopes they lose. No, I hope they kill everybody and I hope they go on to win the World Cup. But I'll also say this about what I saw last night, specifically from Megan Rapinoe, dancing after that nil-nil draw. I hate that worse than anything she does or says politically. That bothers me more than any political stance the U.S. women's national team has ever made. And this is why. I defend them because of their greatness. I defend them because they are elite on the global stage. I will defend them for that reason. I also, as an American, believe in the First Amendment rights, and you can have whatever stance you want, and you're not going to be prosecuted because of it. You're not going to be thrown into a jail because of it in our country. And if you want to have those opinions, by all means, we should protect unpopular opinions or popular opinions in this country. So I'm fine with all of that. Does she annoy me, Megan Rapinoe? Yes. Do I agree with her? Mostly not on just about everything. But am I going to root for her and her teammates to win? Yes. Why? Because they're Americans. But what I saw last night was not an American sports ideal. What I saw last, last night looked like, not even when I coach my 8U softball team now in travel ball, that's more competitive than that. This looks like when I started out with four- and five-year-old t-ball <laughs> and we had orange slices and Gatorades at the end of every game, regardless of what happened. That's what that looked like to me. Hey, guys, we had fun. We went out there and we ran around a lot. No one scored. We're lucky that one ball hit a post or we're going home, let's dance and celebrate with our fans now. I, I didn't like it. I'm sure that there are players, just like I'll defend, players in the team that stand for the anthem and that sing the national anthem and do those things. I guarantee you there are players we didn't see in the video that were pissed off for greatness and walking off the pitch and maybe posed for a couple of photos with fans that made the trek all the way out to New Zealand and Australia for this tournament. I'm sure there were players that were angry and walked off and did react the way I'd like for them to react in the moment after a match like that. But from what I saw with the other players, that pisses me off more than anything politically they could say. I hated it. I hated it. I hope that mindset changes. Uh, Carly Lloyd, we should play back exactly what she said because I thought she said it beautifully in recapping how said disturbing they, it was. They, last, they lacked the passion to win yeah. in their performance. Good for her effortless hey good for her too because Lack, she knows everyone on that effort. team yeah yes i mean that takes courage to well, sit there and say they're not trying hard and, and this is disgusting absolutely and, and she she would know the effort that it would take to put forth your 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 best shot against portugal you 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 laid out the the betting odds on this uh it's not hard to figure out who the favorite was and what vegas thought with the performance that they expected versus what we it all was, witnessed. U.S. was minus 357 about. to win outright. Portugal was plus 1,075 to win. The outcome we got was plus 444. 
a draw was plus 444. So you made a, a good bit of money if you bet on the draw last night. Colin, I, I did not like that reaction. Colin, is it likely Sweden that they're playing next in the knockout round? Yeah. Uh, so that, that will be next. And they're number one in uh, on their side of this. So. Well, look, uh, I'm, I'm still all in on America. I'm, I'm, my, my wife is Swedish. I'm not rooting for Sweden uh, in the knockout stage. I'm American. We are rooting for America from here on out. I just hated that scene last night. Here's uh, Carly Lloyd uh, from last night. I have never witnessed, and just seeing these images for the first time right now on the desk, I have never witnessed something like that. There's a difference between being respectful of the fans and saying hello to your family but to be dancing, to be smiling. I mean, the player of the match was that post. Yeah. Amen. And, and the, the, what happened is they, the post kept Portugal from winning outright. And someone collecting a plus 1,000 odds on that victory. You know what else I heard in that audio? The voice of an alpha in Carly Lloyd. Yeah. But, to be dancing and smiling. It's one thing to be polite to your fans. But what's odd, though, is but, they're back-to-back uh, World Cup champions, and that's also an alpha mentality. You know, that's what you're. You just said it perfectly with representing their dominance, and what we saw in the celebration of a, you know, a scoreless draw is not that. It, with the the photos and the just everything from overnight. Well, and it's just you know it. Imagine waking up to watch that. When the whole fight was going on, hey, we should make as much as the men make, even though we don't generate, when we generate a fraction of the revenue in this tournament that the men do, when that, that whole thing was going on, the one thing that I would continue to go back to in, in their fight for that was at least they're dominant. Like I'd like to see them compensated for their success because they win World Cups, which the men may never, ever do. Yeah. And most American soccer fans believe probably never going to happen on the global stage that they win it all and our American women win it all. So from that perspective, not just strictly dollars and cents and money, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, let's pay them for that greatness. And then you go out there and see the dancing and celebrating a, a zero, zero tie. And you get people like Tim who tweet me after I'm talking about this and say, just like so many other athletes, you pay them more money and their performance goes down. I mean, is that what you want? Like if you're the U S well, women's national team like that, I, I don't even know what to say to Tim uh, on that because he kind of has a point if well, you're going to celebrate a 0-0 tie and look this bad in this tournament. Yeah, but at least, I mean, uh, let me say it from this angle, I don't too. want him to have a point. They, let me be clear also. I don't want that to be the point. Right, right. And they, they, they're they out of sorts based on those who cover this on a daily basis describe. Uh, at least they should. And again, I'm trying. This is uh, just devil's advocate for the sake of it. At least they're showing that they're happy that they're advancing. I guess that's the only way you could spin this. Instead of being like, ah, oh, you know, wish we wish that goalpost wasn't there. Well, because that, that was kind of the sentiment of the reaction to their effort was they're not really uh, a collected group right now. Um, and it's it's a bit odd considering they're going for the three P. Well, and Colin would know. Colin, yes or no, thumbs up, thumbs down. Did our men celebrate to this level when they got to the round of sixteen? In the last World Cup, I feel like it came off kind of a disappointing or maybe an encouraging draw to England. Was that the one? Or was that? Oh, that's right. But they didn't celebrate going to the round of 16. Yeah. I, I Look, I defer to Carly Lloyd on this as an expert and someone who has done it. 
And the fact that she matched up with my reaction to seeing that but se- says an awful lot. But their coach is even – he's not deferring to Carly Lloyd. He's saying that – Oh, he said we tried were, hard. Her, her, her comments were, quote-unquote, insane. Now, uh, I, I, I understand him defending like that because that is a coach issue also. If it's – your team's not ready or your team doesn't play hard on that, then that a direct reflection on him. He did acknowledge they were terrible. He, he said we, he it did. wasn't the game we wanted to play, but they're trying to win. We certainly tried to go out there and win the game. But don't celebrate it. Just don't do that. Chad, coming up, uh, John McClain's about to join us. There's a lot of headlines across the NFL. Uh, a big big name in the league, Damar Hamlin. He's back on in pads, getting interceptions in practice. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had comments about Sean Payton. And Rodgers defending his coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, who also spoke today. And Jonathan Taylor, he's out on Jim Ursay. Plus, John's in Houston. The Astros just got back Justin Verlander, and they're acquiring his contract in full, which is also a bit of a surprise based on the details of the trade. McLean next on Hot Mic with Hutton Withrow. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Plenty of uh, news across the sports landscape today. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad, we've got uh, details emerging about a Pac-12 media rights deal with Apple TV+. Plus. What could that mean? We'll dive further into that coming up. Aaron Rodgers went in hard at Sean Payton, defending Nathaniel Hackett, who also spoke today and took the high road. You've got DeMar Hamlin back on the practice field in full pads. He's picking off quarterbacks in today's practice with the Bills. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and Jim Ursay are they're on the outs. John McClain joins us from Houston, where the Astros just acquired Justin Verlander yet again. That's a big news and topic across the trade deadline today, John. Uh, Verlander coming back, the Astros acquiring the full contract that's remaining. I'm uh, working on a, a, a column right now for SportsRadio610.com where there's no paywall about Verlander coming back in 2017. They literally pulled off a trade seconds before the deadline. Owner Jim Crane got involved. And the general manager, Dana Brown, who came from Atlanta, said they weren't going to get a starting pitcher. Well, Crane got involved. He and Verlander are very tight. In retrospect, they should have just signed him. And uh, uh, after last season, they offered him a one-year deal and an option. The Mets owner, Steve Cohen, two years, $86 million, plus a vesting option for 2025 for $35 million. So if he continues to pitch well, the Astros can have him for $3 million. The Mets are paying $54 million of what's left. And they gave up Drew Gilbert, who Tennessee fans know very well. He was playing well in the outfield at AA, and they gave up a, a, 
a high A outfielder, but their outfield right now is sad if they re-sign Kyle Tucker. Maybe they can use some of that money they saved to sign Tucker because right now he and Alvarez are the best players. And, I mean, it's not like the farm system takes that massive of a hit because it's great in Houston. What, well, what is Rangers-Astros uh, like now in the state of Texas, John, with both those teams loading up at the trade deadline? Chad, like in June, the uh, Rangers had a six-and-a-half game lead. And the Astros, despite their top three pitchers being very inconsistent, and a 28-year-old rookie named G.P. France, who was not even in the picture when I was at spring training. Uh, he's been their best pitcher. They have another good one. Jose Arquiti has been out for three months. He's back. And now Verlander have a six-man rotation. The Rangers acquired Max Scherzer and the uh, and Jordan Montgomery from St. Louis. Scherzer has not been a good um, playoff pitcher, but truthfully, Verlander had neither. But uh, last season, Verlander was great. This season, after his low start, he's got like a 1.65 ERA in July. Scherzer is not. His ERA was over four. So these two teams, which are rivals, but we haven't seen uh, them be good at the same time and go at it like this. The Astros won the last two series. Unfortunately, they only have one more, and that's three games at the Rangers in September. John McClain with us. Uh, you can read the column that's coming up on the trade deadline deals, uh, sportsradio610.com, the website for that. We'll be checking that out, retweeting that as well, John. Um, if it's not retweeting, what is it now? Re-Xing? Re-Xing. Everybody still calls it Twitter. It's like somebody has a nickname their whole <laughs> life, and all of a sudden they say, you know, call me Chad instead of Chadlack. <laughs> well, you're still going to call him Chadlack, right? John, if I could rebrand, I would rebrand as Chadillac from Chad, <laughs> just based on you giving me that nickname. John, well, I was uh, happy to do it. Uh, Jonathan Taylor uh, requested a trade based on what, however the meeting went on the bus with Ursay at camp earlier uh, this week or over the weekend, I should say, and then yesterday requesting the trade. What do you make of the uh, how this has devolved and do you, th- you think it's more likely that uh, reports are that teams have... Uh, inquired about what it would take to trade for Taylor, do you think it's more likely he's on a different roster, or do you think Ursay means what he says when he's telling Albert Breer, we're not trading him now, we're not trading him in October at the deadline, he's going to be on this roster. Do you think he actually plays for the Colts? As Joe's general manager said as late as yesterday, they're not trading for a starting pitcher. Yeah. So I'll say this. This is a textbook case of how you do not handle a situation involving a disgruntled player. It's been a disaster. He actually, his agent told him two weeks ago he wanted to be traded. And he met with Ursay. They didn't get anything done. So then it got out publicly. Jonathan Taylor's coming off an injury. And right now, as you guys know, the market is not good for running backs. And if he would, this were this time last year when he was coming out 1,800 yards, 20 touchdowns, it'd be different. But nobody is going to get him and give him the kind of contract he wants. They say it's up to six, you want 16 million a year, like Christian McCaffrey. Those days are over. And somebody might give him that total with a signing bonus, but yeah, he's got to prove he's healthy. You know, they say two, two writers who cover them say, he told him he has a back injury. 
He said, no, you better get better sources. I didn't tell them that. Well, obviously, they got it from Ursay. And so it's really created bad blood. I know if you're in AFC South, like the Titans and the Texans and the Jaguars, I'm pretty sure they'd like to see Jonathan Taylor somewhere else. Texans play them in the second game of the season. And I don't know when the blood is this bad. The only way you smooth the problem over is you give them a lot of money. And they're not going to give a running back a lot of money, no matter how old he is, uh, coming off an injury. Well, John, it's certainly not the way you'd want to handle it publicly if you're Jim Ursay with a disgruntled player, like you said. But is anything that Ursay is saying wrong about it being inappropriate to try to renegotiate a CBA based on one position group being disgruntled about something? Because I heard it, and I think, you know, both guys have a point, right? I understand where Jonathan Taylor's upset, but Jim Ursay's right, too. And why in the world would they renegotiate a CBA, which will never happen? To help out running backs, you think the owners feel bad for the running backs? If they didn't, if they started overpaying running backs, they're going to have to take it somewhere else. So, what position would that be? I understand the running backs' plight. You know, I grew up when running backs were just as important or more important than quarterbacks. And you'd see guys play, running for a thousand yards in their tenth year. Jim Brown led the league in rushing ninth year. Ladainian Thompson had eighteen hundred yards in his eight in his eighth year. So. Basically, it's about usage, it's about analytics, it's about CBA, because the last five Super Bowl winners haven't had a thousand yard rusher. It's all about the quarterback. Colts have money to work with. They they're down on running backs. Taylor's out right now. He wants to be traded. Uh, Zach Moss broke his arm yesterday in practice, and they're down to uh, Deion Jackson and a, a rookie, I believe, that's left in their backfield currently. Uh, so it's not advantageous for them to to deal Taylor without getting something to return or signing one of the free agents is currently on the market making you know, making uh, free agent visits during camp. Here's camps. a prediction. Their leading rusher is going to be Anthony Richardson, their rookie quarterback. Well, that's also not a good sign. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, John McClain with us. Uh, John, Aaron Rodgers comes to the defense of Nathaniel Hackett, tells Sean Payton to keep his coach out of his mouth. And uh, Hackett took the high road today, but did say that Peyton violated the coach's code, which is we all uh, coaches live in a glass house and there's a code within that home that that just goes unsaid and that Peyton didn't follow that. Uh, Peyton uh, publicly yesterday said we're past that in regards to whatever Rogers had said. What do you make of what Hackett did today, what he said today? And I mean, the week five matchup is going to be fascinating. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. think the New York media might play that up. Um, I'll tell you something. All these media people covering the Broncos and people that have known Peyton said, you know, his method to his madness. He did that to take pressure off Russell Wilson. Hogwash. You want to take pressure off Russell Wilson? Just talk about how great he is. I've never seen that in my 47 years covering the NFL a coach go after another coach like that. What we don't know about Nathaniel Hackett, he's, he has he gave up play calling last year because he was bad at it, and he didn't call plays with the Packers. Matt LaFleur, the head coach, calls him. Now he's calling with the Jets, which tells me Aaron Rodgers is going to be calling the plays. But it's great if you're in the media for talk shows, for columnists. Uh, I think it's tremendous. I think it was a really low rent low-class thing for Peyton to do. And uh, I hope that when the Jets get a shot at him, 
and Aaron Rodgers gets a shot at him. They end up <laughs> carrying Nathaniel Hackett off the field with all the well-deserved grief he's gotten. You know, he deserves something positive to happen. Yeah, the, the jokes on on uh, Twitter are about Rodgers throwing for 500 yards in week five against, against well, that and, Broncos defense. It's really good. John, I, I, and I think everything you said I, I, I agree with, but I was also bummed out when Sean Payton comes back the next day and says it was a mistake to say it because I thought, man, we're actually going to get a truly honest NFL head coach that says exactly what he thinks. And then once the reaction came to that, he comes back and says, yeah, I'm probably not going to be saying anything like that again. And I got bummed out. And then he said, oh, I, I still had my Fox hat on. Hmm. He never had analysis like that when no. he was at Fox. I'd have been watching that early show before their pregame show. And he had analysis like that at Fox. So uh, speaking of Fox and networks, we're going to have our first ever alternate broadcast of a Super Bowl on Nickelodeon a kid-centered broadcast for this upcoming Super Bowl. John, I speak to this as a parent of young kids, and I don't know who is going to turn off the actual Super Bowl broadcast to allow their children to take over the TV to watch a Nickelodeon broadcast of the game other than maybe putting your kids in another room and allowing them to watch the Nickelodeon version. I, I, I know who they're trying to serve here, but I'm still not quite sure how successful it's going to be because – we watch the Super Bowl to watch the Super Bowl because everyone's watching the same broadcast and the same commercials at the exact same time. So what you should do, Chad, like, is you should have a Nickelodeon watch Super Bowl party <laughs> at your house and let all the kids come over and watch on your big screen TV. Kind of slime and different Nickelodeon yeah, themed snacks. You and Angie go in the bedroom where I don't know you've got a TV. We don't, And actually. you'll have to watch. You don't. <laughs> no. Oh, well. Very rare, yeah. And so the other thing is, I, I think this is really funny. There will be kids that want to have Super Bowl parties. And the NFL does this, of course, because kids grow up. Kids going to buy all the advertising. You want to get those advertisers when they're young? Well, that's young. I wonder how it's going to figure into the total audience. Children. I think uh, NFL has been on the verge of doing this forever, and it'll just jack up the – Ratings, next thing you know, NBA, baseball will do it. I like it. I like anything that exposes to the NFL to as many people as possible. Yeah, I think no matter what, John, it will be sold as a big success. I'm not saying it won't be a success, but I think it will be packaged in a way that it was highly successful. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll children's see audience, children's audience, 48 million. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, whenever they've done this alternate broadcast, it has been a success with – uh, the playoff games. Yeah, with what that first wild card weekend game that they do. Um, you know, if they get some other eyeballs on their product, that's all they want. John, uh, final minute or so here. Uh, which speech are you looking forward to the most this weekend at the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Because you're one of those that voted these guys in. Right, Wake, Chad, what do you do if the kids say, Daddy, we want you to come watch it with us? Please, please, please. <laughs> I mean, um, usually I'm a sucker for that, but on Super Bowl Sunday night, I'll say, sorry, kids, I'm watching the actual broadcast. Chuck Alley, <laughs> Chuck Alley, the linebacker for the Cowboys who has Alzheimer's and won't know what's going on, can't be there. His son's going to uh, do his exception speech. Bob Lilly's going to present him. That's the one I'm most interested in because I worked really hard to try to help him get in the Hall of Fame 50 years after he retired. Well done. John, you're always great, man. We we appreciate it. Damar Hamlin, by the way, 
is in full pads in Buffalo, and he's intercepting passes today. Remarkable. Really cool. And he said he even admitted he's a little scared to be out there. I would be too, based on what happened. But he's right back out there uh, this soon after what took place on the, the field there in Cincinnati. John, thank you as always. Thank you guys very much. Talk to you next week. That sounds great. SportsRadio610.com is where you can read the column on Verlander and much more from John McClain. Thanks for giving me that nickname, too. That's right. Appreciate that. At McClain underscore on underscore NFL is where you can find him on social. Uh, yeah, the uh, the whole DeMar Hamlin thing is crazy to me. From how it was, how it looked, the coverage of it, the, the speechless aspect of you feel like you're watching someone die. And for him to be right back in camp in full pads is remarkable. Well, there was no, I, I had Months no thought later. given to him playing football again. I was just I hoping know. he was going to be alive. Yeah. At the time, I'm just thinking, please save his life, not when is this guy going to get back on the field? What? That was not a thought at all about him even returning. And you knew there was a hope there whenever it was the following, I believe Friday or Saturday, when he was released from the hospital. And here he which is. Which is just craziness. Uh, coming up, a man spent a fortune to become a border collie. Uh, Davey Hudson has that story and more. This is another thing that Chad won't be doing on his time off is dressing like a dog. Going back to a discussion yesterday. A hard pass. Poison would be in play there. Antifreeze. Details next to Hot Mike. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow rolls on. Chad, uh, ESPN fired Mark Jackson from their NBA coverage as the lead analyst. Uh, reports are it's going to be Doc Rivers and Doris Burke as a part of the, the Mike Breen A team. Moving forward, J.J. Redick is expected to be in that B team slot for their NBA coverage. Um and, of course, they're bringing on McAfee. Now front office sports with Michael McCarthy, who is uh, reporting that uh, ESPN is in the mix and they're very interested in hiring Colin Cowherd back, who, uh, the, the way he describes it, ESPN is very interested in reunion. Uh, Cowherd's deal expires in early 2025. And the quote is, the monster negotiation coming up for Fox is Colin. His ratings are at an all-time high, and he causes zero issues, unlike Skip Bayless. Hmm. And that ESPN is trying to bring him back into the mix. That would be another massive contract while they lay off uh, long-time, long-time great journalists like uh, Susie Kolber, great hosts like Susie. You know, uh, it sounds like Scott Van Pelt's going to replace her on yeah, NFL, NFL Countdown. Countdown. That's a Michael McCarthy report? Yes. So I trust McCarthy's reporting on that, who does a really good job. I also hear that and think, man, that's a great story for Colin Cowherd to come out based on a contract that's going to yeah. re-up in 2025, wherever he goes. Like, hey, that's great great PR work if you can get it. 
that you're going to get well. this huge report out that another side is very interested. I see ESPN writing a bunch of wrongs right now or attempting to do that. They've done that with some of their coverage of sports and how they've handled it. I think they've done that with some of the layoffs, but it's most of it's monetary. I don't think it's about work for a lot of the people that have been laid off, but there seems to be an adjustment happening at ESPN. This would be a big one if they brought back Colin Cowherd. We'll see how long they can withstand the vocal minority that will be giving pushback on McAfee and other shows if, in fact, they're trying to right some wrongs and get back to what they were known for. But what they were known for, they also laid off recently. Some of the stalwarts that have been there for a long time. But that's the the age of ESPN right now. They're trying to even have some investment partners. Moving well, and the hope is, Disney. you know, they just like they learned that they didn't want to create celebrities when the Dan Patrick, Keith Olbermann thing happened yep. on SportsCenter. I think now what they're trying to do is let's get let's cut a lot of a lot of salary and even people that have been there for a long time, but let's reinvest or maybe newly invest in who we want the faces of ESPN to be next. Whether that be old faces like Scott Van Pelt that's been there for a long time, or Colin Cowherd who was there for a long time before Fox, and a mix of new faces like a, a Pat McAfee. So there's definitely a reinvention. And if this Disney spinoff happens, yeah, where ABC and ESPN are spun off into their own company, I want to see how that it dictates decisions moving forward. No doubt. Uh, coming up, we're about an hour and 15 minutes away from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. We'll have details for you there on what has happened today, including Verlander to Houston. Uh, Tiger Woods uh, gains more power, even more power, on the PGA Tour. Uh, that and much more, plus what Nathaniel Hackett had to say in response to Sean Payton. Uh, but right now, it's time to get weird with Davey Hudson. And five, four, three, two, one, zero, talking now. Ready for the fact of the day. Uh, Chad, so uh, this one, I guess I'll, I'll kind of tease this and ask the question, but does anyone know what the tallest ancient structure that was man-made? Tallest ancient structure. The pyramids? The Great Pyramids? Correct. So the Pyramid of Giza was 481 feet tall, and it was built in roughly 2500 B.C. So what's fascinating to me is, do you know the next time we actually eclipsed yes. that record? Eiffel Tower. That is correct. And that was in 1889. The Eiffel Tower uh, ended up being about 984 feet, but they ended up putting a flagpole to fly the French flag, and that got it over 1,000. Um, but it's just, I, I do find it fascinating that it took over 4,000 years before we eclipsed that height again. Now, some people will argue the Lincoln Cathedral in England, uh, it was built in the early 1300s. They actually had a couple of spires that got it taller than the Pyramids of Giza, but at the time... I think the towers only made it a hundred or two hundred years before they ultimately collapsed because the engineering wasn't sturdy enough to withstand it. So they're no longer standing, even though you can go visit the cathedral today. I think it's just a, a, a practicality, right? Then you wouldn't need to go up with anything. Well, you couldn't. Until so it still, was, it, to and, me, and, it's, until it's, we had the still boom. Yeah, it's just it shows how far ahead of the time the pyramid was when it was built, but also there wasn't such a need to conquer. We got to build the bigger one. We got to go higher with the next one. We got to do that. That was what was it, 1800s? Yeah, we're talking about there like that. 89 for the that tower. was more of the late 1800s into the 20th century invention of bigger, 
badder, faster, taller, everything. Well, that's whenever you had the Rockefellers and others that you know had the railroads, and then they they had steel, the Industrial know? Revolution, and then yeah. that, then you could go up. You could only go so high with the wooden structures and other things that they were working with, uh, which you know limited you to about two stories or three based on the photos we would see. Yeah, where, and now where, I where mean, the ghosts reside, Chad. Yes, in the late 1800s, mm -hmm. and just to. You have that 4,000-year gap, and then you look at today's tallest building, the Burj Khalifa in the UAE, which is, I think it's 2,722 oh feet. UAE, so, you can go see that building, but you can't see Barbie in UAE right now. We just <laughs> saw that headline. Um, Some Middle East countries not showing Barbie. Another thing that kind of led to, just in addition to like the Industrial Revolution, was the invention of air conditioning. That also helped as far as going up. No doubt. So, uh, And that was 1902, I believe. But anyway, guys, that. uh, uh, that, that's some facts, but now let's just get really weird. So I did tease this story on Friday. Unfortunately, we had a manatee uh, that was killed by his brother due to sexual activity. And there are bad ways to go out, but basically getting bleeped to death by your brother probably has to take the cake. So ex explain this story again. I've, I've only seen the headline. Yes. So uh, there are two manatees at this uh, preserve or this aquarium. I, I believe it's in Florida. And... These two manatees are brothers, and they're the only two in the enclosure. And ultimately, uh, things got hot and heavy, and the or bigger one, the bigger one, killed his younger brother, uh, Hugh. I think Buffett was the other one. We all know who that was named <laughs> after. And they, this happened. After, I didn't know there were beta manatees out there, but now I, now that I know that this happened back in April when the manatee died. But the USDA just recently released the findings, and one of the fatal blows was of. 14 inch, no, sorry, a 14 centimeter cut into Hugh's colon that ultimately ended up killing him. And so now, um, you know, it's just, I mean, that's one of those things. You take that headline, there's a lot you can do with it. Uh, this may go back to m my firm belief that animals do not deserve the respect of humans. And it just it, it, all over the world. <laughs> you should give, have had this we study give animals, on, their, on their dog that was We poisoned. give animals way too much respect. I don't know about you guys. When I hear brother or sister, I never think of animals no. having brothers or sisters. No. So when I see Florida manatee died from sex with his brother, I think of brother as a human thing and not a manatee having a brother. Right. These animals aren't family. <laughs> I mean, look at this. This is, uh, this is inhumane because they're not human, because they're lower on the food, the food chain. The human. So I'd never think of brother, sister, aunt, uncle, um, I guess parent, like mother, father, yes, but I never think of an animal falling into brother, sister category. Well, there is a man who thinks of uh, a canine as his identity uh, based on the money spent for this perfect segue yes. costume. Well, <laughs> that, that could be the perfect segue. I did want to kind of go back real quick because talking about getting screwed over by your brother and also the Industrial Revolution. Chad, I told you about this, but I did see his shirt over the weekend. Quick tangent. It was vote by mail, but it had Ted Kaczynski's, uh, pro, like his mugshot on there. So one of the things that led to Kaczynski's arrest was his brother figuring out based off his writing, hey, this sounds like Ted. And so the FBI profiler that also found it, it just goes back to a common phrase. And I always mix it up too, but just a lot of people say this phrase incorrectly. You will often hear people say, you can't have your cake and eat it too. But in Kaczynski's manifesto, he would phrase it, you can't eat your cake and have it too. And so the FBI profilers initially thought he made a mistake. But as it turns out, based off his education, 
the timing in which and how his mother taught him about that phrase, it ultimately uh, was one of the things that led to his capture and ultimately imprisonment for the rest of his life, which ended uh, a couple months ago. And this is a great example of how humans and their interaction, brother to brother, solved a crime because he knew his brother well enough to know how he wrote out that phrase and knew the writing. And meanwhile, in the Manatee Kingdom, uh, one brother humped another brother to death. That's the difference between humans and animals. Okay, now a human-animal story, Davey. Yes, so we have a dog named Toko, except it's not actually a dog. It's just a human that decided to spend $14,000 to get this costume to where he could fulfill his life's dream of becoming a canine. Uh, You'll see a video of Toko the dog uh, rolling on the ground. uh, The Sesame Street character. Begging for a treat. Which a small I, I, human. That's one of the things I couldn't figure out. It is a Japanese man. So yeah. that, uh, that a should child? Uh, a massive dog, though. That's a small human to fit inside this dog costume. So I don't know. Does this classify as like the furry category? Uh, or this if- is to the next level furry category. It's like a Wookiee. I'm watching Star Wars right now with my daughter. She wanted to watch it for the first time. By the way, some of those Star Wars movies do not hold up. Uh, I'm on episode uh. one right now. Uh, that is not, Jar Jar Binks does not hold up based on my memory of it. But yeah, this is like, you know, you, you're a Wookiee. I mean, a Wookiee's a big dog, right? That's this person just can wearing you, a well, dog costume at all well, times. Can you imagine though, like you, you have a relative who is so into this, like there's like people walking around, walking the dog, quote unquote, you know, as we watch this, it's like, what? So this. Like, go out in the yard by yourself. This, why, why can't we get back to institutionalizing people? To yeah. like throwing them in a mental asylum yeah. for things like this. Like yeah, if you, I mean, if you identify the, the, as is, a uh, collie, Davey, shouldn't you be institutionalized? Well, maybe that's just here's me. here's the thing. This guy at least realizes it. This is awkward. He says, uh, "I'll quote. I believe this was uh, an interview he did with the mayor. The mirror. He says, I rarely tell my friends because I'm afraid they will think I am weird. Yeah, you think? Uh, I don't want my hobbies to be known, especially by the people I work with." Uh, he says they think it's weird that I want to be a dog for the same reason why I can't show my real face. Yeah, it, it's not just weird. It's 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 mental illness. Yeah. I, I just can't we just say this? This uh, is like it, the guys who like turn into a lizard. Are we are we so soft now that we can't say that someone who wants to completely camouflage themselves as a dog for their entire life and walk around as a border collie? Is I love how the screen says biological male, mentally just ill, male. Uh, it's a male. Uh, a man. A man. Man identifies, human man identifies as border human. collie. Yeah. Human identifies <laughs> as dog. We could really just minimize the language oh. here on, on this to just say human Not- identifies as dog. And I could see that headline and say human deserves to be institutionalized by the state, taken to a home, and sedated and examined yeah. mentally to find out what is wrong with said uh, Unless he, uh, you know, back in the day, wanted to work for Jim Henson. Then it would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> we have a Muppet over here, all right? Just really into the Muppets. But, Puppeteer. Um, yeah, this guy's, like, racked up, like, over a million views on uh, YouTube. Well, which, good for him. That, again, shows that he just got some more based on our show. And, so. and guys, good finally, <laughs> I know you all talked about this story yesterday. Let's feed this guy's mental illness, please, a little bit more. Now he's up to 1,100,000 views. He's got to keep keep it rising. Karina is going to uh, support him. Outkick now up to 1.4 million YouTube subscribers <laughs> also, I just heard. That's another 200,000 yeah, the, the in the last five minutes. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Davey. But yeah, finally, you guys got Too to bad t- I can't see it. talk about this story yesterday. 
where the wife of a former Auburn player ultimately plotted to kill her husband or estranged husband at the time. Yes. Uh, and by hired, a, hired a bohemian lover. I, I saw some people like commenting on her appearance saying she was attractive. And I just said, you know, this guy did used to play football. I don't find her very attractive at all. Her eyes are super far apart. Like if I was a running back, I'd be praising my old line if they could open a gap that big. So. Wow. Wow. Long I actually snapper. thought she was. Uh, these are not the best pictures we're showing. I thought she was pretty attractive when I first saw the picture. I mean, that one, like you got to get the yeah. lighting and make sure you can't. Like, see everything. It's but, all about angles. Yeah. It was on MapQuest. I had to get directions from the right eye to the left. We'll have uh, Keith Morrison break that down. Yeah. Draw the map for us on Dateline NBC. Can we get Keith Morrison on this show at some point? Yeah. No doubt. They found out it was foul play at the critical time of the hour to keep you watching. Wait till we're back up on YouTube and then get Keith Morrison in the studio. That'll be <laughs> next week sometime. We'll make it happen. Hot on the trail. Hot on the trail. Coming up, uh, Tiger Woods has more power now than ever somehow i thought he had it all now he's leading the board for the players of the pga tour is next